0: Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds Podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator or mover and shaker in their industry and really walk through their story, how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you've not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast. Share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague, and if you're really feeling special, leave a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast and let me know what you think. Now, on to today's guest. I am blessed and fortunate to be sitting down with Adam Lamb. He is a serial entrepreneur who started multiple healthcare-related companies. He started a supplement company. He started a telemedicine company. He has a mobile wound care unit company. He does a lot of consulting in the healthcare startup and entrepreneurial ecosystem. He also was a bodybuilder, and most importantly, he is a man of God, a husband, and a father. He has overcame a lot of different adversities, a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures, and his story starts from very humble beginnings. So we're going to talk about health, wellness, faith, we're going to talk about his upbringing, we're going to talk about his background, we're going to talk about how he shifted from working full time to running his own company. So there's a lot of things we're going to dive in today. So. Be sure to continue listening all the way through as we got a lot of great value bombs baked into this episode. Now, before we fully dive in, I just want to reiterate that this podcast is extremely special to me. have been doing it for about four years. So again, continue to reshare the show, continue to review the show, continue to share this with anyone and everyone who you think will need or will uh, benefit from the value that is given. Other than that, let's go ahead and dive in and start chatting with Adam. Adam, thank you so much, man, for hopping on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Chris.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to dive in, in a bit. Just from talking to you offline a little bit, I'm like, all right, he definitely knows his stuff. Uh, Health-related, which I know we'll talk about as we progress throughout the conversation, but uh, other than being on the Next Level Minds podcast, are you having a good week so far? I am. Yeah, it's Wednesday already. The week, the week is good. Yeah, I uh, I just got a text from my mom the other day. She's like, Hey, uh, what are you and Jacqueline, my wife? She's like, what are, you, what are you guys doing for like the holiday season? I was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere type of thing, right?
1: Yeah, it's a long time away, it seems like, but it'll be here fast. Yeah,
0: totally, totally. Um, but yeah, man, I, I definitely want to make sure we cover all the, the points that I kind of had planned for us. So I want to go ahead and, and jump in and just kind of talk about your background in a bit more detail. Um, you know, I was listening to you on another podcast, um, kind of how you, you were in the nightclub industry before you started progressing in through some other avenues. So I'd love if maybe you could start around like early to mid twenties kind of timeframe.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, even going a little bit further back because oftentimes based on where we start, we create stories and framework about where we can go. Right. And so, you know, going back to was raised by a single mom. Right. I had an alcoholic father that took off when I was like seven. So I didn't have a good father figure around. So what a positive male role model looked like didn't exist for me. And and which led to also me searching to hang out with maybe the wrong crowd, which led to, you know, just kind of being a troublesome youth, drinking, partying, fighting, uh, riffraff stuff. Barely graduated high school. Uh, I couldn't. What's funny is I couldn't get past pre algebra. I was like the senior in pre-algebra and i just i couldn't my, my, i couldn't get my head around it but fast forward 10 years later as a portfolio manager looking over you know quarter billion dollar hedge funds stuff you know like it, it just it's just funny because it but that made sense to me and so i i share some stuff like that because young people might be like dude i'm so dumb i don't get it mm-hmm. but sometimes it's it's being explained in a manner Just isn't appealing to you, right? I have a 15 year old son who's like, Dad, I need some help with my geometry. I'm like, wrong parent, bro. But looking at this stuff together and explain it to him, I'm like, oh, well, if you just look at this like a business and you think if your business grows $10,000 in revenue each year, how much money do you have at the end of the year? And he's like, oh, got it, right? Well, we're in those, I think, an algebra example. But I did, no one could teach me that, right? Most teachers, not to knock them, but they just don't have that business and worldly experience as much is like they're just teaching this curriculum that most people get and guys like me didn't right so I really rejected school um and even language arts I told myself I've never passed a language arts class in my life I couldn't do it but or i end up writing a book you know uh you know 15 years later and so it's like I say that because young people can create limiting beliefs about themselves based on their history which The reality is, is those are not true. Those are lies, they're stories that we believe over time and time. And unfortunately, our friends, our family may tell us, they may agree with those stories, which makes us think those stories are are true as well, but they're not um, as soon as you prove them wrong. And so, like I said, barely graduated high school, college was not on the uh, radar for me financially, or like, I mean, I was like, dude, I barely got out of high school. What am I thinking going to college? And so I got into like the restaurant industry because it was, you know, I started waiting tables, chasing girls, more partying, right. And bartending. And, uh, yeah, I reached a point in my early twenties where it's like, you know, my early twenties, not bad looking, good shape, had no problem meeting good looking women. Like I, like, I thought like the dream making decent money. And you know, I was bartending making three, $400 a night, working in like some of the biggest nightclubs in Detroit. So like, For me and the expectations I set for my life, I was crushing it. Mm. But I had small expectations, right? Low standards to what I look at today, right? But then thought I had it figured out, right? Buddies are coming out of college, making 40, 50 grand a year, which I was making, working four days a week, hanging out with good looking women, partying, you know, so like there was a part that I was like, I got it all figured out. And I remember bartending in this like kind of VIP club and kind of, you know, you see the guys in there and, and... you realize like, you know, these guys, these guys have different money, right? So I wanted to learn like, what do these guys do? And I remember I had these, uh, regulars of mine, that would come in, good guys and, uh, they were in the mortgage space, right? And I was coming in kind of throwing money around real cool. They would always talk to me and, uh, ask me about, you know, they're engaged in, in me. It was like, cause I was a regular, you know, bartender, their regular, uh, customers of mine. And, uh, and I was like, maybe one day I could do that. But, like, but I just was like, well, I don't know how to do mortgages. I don't know, like, I, like you, you go through that self, that limiting belief, self-belief process. And um, eventually uh, I met my wife at the bar, I was bartending and um, and I never thought I'd get married. And I met her and I was like, maybe maybe I do wanna get married. Maybe I need to like, but this lifestyle, this, you know, meeting different girls, all the th- this thing I was doing was not gonna sustain a marriage, right? I didn't really know what a really healthy marriage looked like because I didn't see one growing up, right? I didn't know what a good male role model was because I didn't see one growing up. So the mystery of that almost seemed unattainable too. But I knew I needed to get out of the bartending space. Um, and so I these guys came in one time and I was like, hey, you guys always kind of joke around about me coming to work for you. Is that for real? And they're like heck yeah they're like dude you'd be great at sales like we see closing the deal with all these girls all the time and i was like oh okay you know and so i got my first job doing mortgages right and so i felt like i had my big boy job right at work got a suit getting up early. And instead of going into work at 10 o'clock at night i'm going to work at 8 o'clock in the morning and so i felt like i was doing what i was supposed to be doing without really exploring what I wanted to be doing right which is I think how most people live their life and so that's why I emphasize that in the conversation is because I I was like well I I need to become this I need to become this container right the suit the more I do mortgages now and so I'm not the bartender anymore but my mindset hadn't changed right I hadn't become a new person I'd become a new belief system just trying to figure some stuff out and fortunately, I had some good role models. That's kind of why I really had some good guys come into my life that were teaching me about success and mindset and habits and, and things like that, and opened me up to a whole new world of opportunity. One thing I was always really good at, even in high school, was uh, weight training, nutrition. I like, I understood that stuff more than just about anybody else out there. And it always interests me. And so, some of these guys that were making more money than me, more successful in the company would ask me like, hey dude, like, can you help me with diet stuff? Hey, can you help me with, because they didn't know. So like, it, for me, it was like a power play of like, wow, there's something I had these guys don't have. Like these guys have the big house, the nice car, you know, yeah. making the big, big paychecks. And so I, I was excited about doing that. And some of them did pay me. So I had a little monthly side hustle of like nutrition coaching and and you know, flip phone, like send a picture of a menu to me, like, hey, what do I order, right? And, and I just felt, it made me feel important. I mean, like guys that I thought were living a life I could never have were, needed my advice. They wanted my advice and valued it. So it made me like almost for the first time in my late 20s felt valued, right, as a person. And so going through this process in the mortgage space and in learning, um, I, I worked for Quicken Loans. So I was I was with Quicken Loans when, when they were brick and mortar and transitioning to an online lender, right? Uh, a great company T- taught lots of great stuff about uh, selling and, and systems, processes, and, and all these kind of things. And so it was stuff I never learned in school, um, and learned a lot of stuff. And like I shared offline with you, it's like fast forward. I'm a portfolio manager, looking at hundreds of million dollar you know portfolios for different banks, but I couldn't get past pre algebra. Right. So I looked back and I was like, I'm not bad at math. I, I, I understand this. I can look at interest rates and figure out DTIs and LPV. Like I, I figured all these things out, how I could work quickly in my head. And so it's like, all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I'm not as stupid as I thought I'd be. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have to go to college to like get a real job. Right. And, and you know, you start making six figures thinking like, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, man, if you make a hundred grand a year, you're rich. Right. And so again, thought I had to make, thought I was in a great spot, but I realized it wasn't my purpose. It was, I wasn't super satisfied with that. I got, more of a high from helping people I looked up to than closing a deal in the mortgage space, right? Than like processing a loan that, that that wasn't as exciting to me. And so, uh, in doing that, one of the guys that I started getting introduced to more and more guys. One of the guys is an entrepreneur, uh, a, a leader there locally in the area, like the Detroit area. He's like, uh, "Dude, you should start a business doing this." And I was like, business, pump the brakes. I can't even believe I'm figuring out. I can't believe I'm not still working in a restaurant. And it, what happened is a lot of these guys, because I was probably 26, 28 ish this, through this period that I'm talking about. And um, a lot of these guys were in their 40s, 50s. And so, you know, they would, oh, you know, things aren't working and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you might have a hormone issue. So I knew a lot about hormones and, and all that stuff too. And so, I was like, "Last well, see doctor about this." He's like, "Man, my doctor doesn't know anything about this." Like, and I was like, "All right, well, I, I know some guys that you know we can I can help out." So I, I figured out how to be like this middleman between some of these doctors that were experts in this, but these guys are also like busy, successful guys that didn't have time to just sit around at some doctor's office all the time. So I was like, "Here's the paperwork. Great, bring it to the doctor. Okay, here's the blood order." right? Here's my credit card, just, you know, put it on there, right? So, I became this middleman, and that's where the guy's like, why don't you build a business doing this, like a kind of a concierge um, health optimization, and I was like, how do I do that? And I looked at it, and it was the same process as mortgages, right? So, find the customer, talk to them about their problem, fill out a loan application, fill out a health history questionnaire, process payment for your appraisal, and, you know, get set up for the loan, process payment for your blood work, results come back here's the deal here's your rate here's the thing hey bloodworth come back here's the program Here's what we recommend close close and i was like it's the same process i know how to do that i'm just relabeling it right and so through doing that through doing that i was able to start rolling something out is from a business standpoint right and so it started small I And mean, i mean i was running this thing uh you know 20, 30, 50 clients on a notebook, right? No CRM, no technology, right? And this is 2012. And uh, what was funny is in the, it was around Christmas 2011 and I remember sitting at a table with my father-in-law and I was like, man, I think I'm gonna start my own business. And he's a business owner. Um, he was like, what kind of business? But he had like a tool and die company, like he, he built it and sold it. And so he had a, a different business where I'm like, "I'm a, it's gonna be online, a telemedicine. And he's like, <laughs> You don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about healthcare. The internet's just like it's all gonna fall apart. You know, you kind of just had this like, like it's all fake. It's not real. You know, and so again, and I love him, love him to death. Still, we always have a joke today where I'm like, not bad for a bartender, huh? Because when we <laughs> first met my, when I first met my wife, we we went out to dinner, and uh, we were coming back from dinner, and I remember he said to my mother-in-law, they're like five feet behind us. So he's like what does she see in this bartender? And I was like, ready to turn around and strangle him. But uh, fortunately, I didn't do that. Here we are 16 years, <laughs> happily married. And him and I have a great relationship, but it's an inside joke now, or, yeah. you know, cause I've had, I've come to have a pretty cool success in some things. And so I always kind of joke with him, And I'm like, not bad for a bartender. That's our little inside joke. But but it pushed me because he, it was, in a lot of us can have that situation where people will tell us in our life, we can't do something. Um, And it's because we're inside this box and frame that they've created for us. It's not real, right? But it's something that they believe and that we potentially believe and could spend our entire life believing if we don't break that box, right? If we don't break that framework and create new framework where we want to go. And so uh, started the business. Now, fortunately, I was at the time I got into like competitive bodybuilding. So I, and was having some success there so i was like you know doing photo shoots i started um i got in with a company called muscle tech they're uh, like a supplement company pretty popular yeah. and I had a contract with them so i was doing like photo shoots ads like doing the fitness competition so that helped and what i realized in that space is like all these guys are using drugs right they're all taking tons of steroids doing a lot of stuff they should not be doing and they're going to jack their bodies up so they're going to need a place to help bring them back to good, and so these doctors I worked with knew how to do that. They knew how to like correct somebody who messed herself up, get them back to a healthy, you know, natural, normal platform. Whether it was continually on it or on testosterone or something like that or on hormones, and so there was a markup. I had an audience. I had people I knew, and so that's where like my first clients started coming from. And at that same time, fortunately, it was ironic, is I met a trainer. It was like a celebrity trainer? And just through meeting each other, talking, he's like, Hey, I have a couple of people you want me to meet. One of them is like one of the most famous music people out there. Um, and helped the guy go from not fit to like big time fit. And so then that turned into like I got introduced to just about every celebrity trainer, all these kind of like and so like these celebrity trainers wanted to talk to me about how. Like, hey, what do I have these guys do for their blood work? What do they, you know, they want to see because look, they're tra- they're they're getting paid lots of money to help these people transform, and if the people aren't transforming, some of it could be they might have a hormone imbalance or something like that. So, can I refer them over? Yeah, right. So they come over, we have our providers with their blood work and do the whole thing, make recommendations, see if they needed So It could be something nutrition wise, right? It could be something supplement wise. Could just be something uh, deficiencies in certain areas that were causing problems, right? That didn't need medication or hormones or anything it just they just needed to know the facts so they could pivot to a better place right and so that really helped me take off and so I started growing that business and in 2017 so I can pause I started a supplement company and why I want to talk about that supplement company is starting a business for a mission so I started this first telemedicine company because I really liked the fact that these people I looked up to believed In me to help provide them with a resource, right? Which was a service and and take them through this process that was what at the time was definitely hard to get. And then, secondly, though, the, the, the second company I started was a supplement company. And I started it because I saw some friends of mine start a supplement company and they were driving Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis. And I was like, I'm going to start a supplement company so I can drive Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis. Mm. And why I say that because a lot of times young people want to become entrepreneurs or start businesses because they want to buy stuff, right? Look, money, success, there's nothing wrong with Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis. I love those too. But if it's not about the mission and it's all about the money, it's going to probably fail. And, And so I say that because that supplement company didn't do as good as a lot of these other business ventures I did that, I went into to solve a problem because i went into it to make money to buy material things and to be transparent at that time in my life 14 2014 2015 was like i wanted to buy that stuff so i could prove that i made it that i was the man like look at me you know this rags to riches story right which is because i was so concerned about proving to the world that i'd made it right not proving to myself I was who I was. Right. And so it was an interesting time, but look at toxic turmoil time because you're wrestling with like wanting to be successful, doing it for the right, wrong reasons. And, you know, I never considered a time coaching. So like today I coach guys. I have a nonprofit that mentors young entrepreneurs. I also have a, a coaching platform called the 1% Life. And, in Having a good person in your corner to help you on a roadmap is so important. And I wish I had that. I probably would be a lot further down the way, but I didn't at the time. And I also had an ego and some pride that wouldn't let me accept advice from other people, right? Unless I really, really thought there was something special. And and so I want to share that because sometimes we can start companies for the wrong reason, right? And so this company kind of scaled and, and it got to the point to where I couldn't really take it bigger than it was. I didn't know how. Right. I was like, I I did every call, I ran every credit card, I did all the stuff from the from the front standpoint. We had the providers that did their stuff, but like, you know, that was that was wasn't a problem with scale. And I had a client who was like, Man, you changed my life. I worked with another doctor. It was a guy who's a friend of mine, super successful guy, had like a $10 million exit. Um, and, and so I was interested in hearing his advice. And he's like, Look. This because he came to me, he's like, Hey, uh, this doctor thinks I should do this, this, and this. And I was like, Man, based on what I've seen, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, probably we probably wouldn't do it that way. Okay. Well, he went, move forward with him. And everything we said would happen, happened. He's like, All right, what's your plan? I was like, All right, we'll run through. And so our team's like, All right, we'll do this. And so we got him back to kind of baseline, took him to a different level. He's like, This is the best of our fault of my life. He's like, You guys have something special. I want to invest. Never met the guy in person. Wrote me a check. We worked out a deal. Sent me a check. Oh, uh, funny is we didn't meet in person for three years, and we're a business partner. And uh, but the fact that he believed in me led, led me to think he's like, you got to take this to another level. He's like, let me help you. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Let me help you scale and hire and put different, you know, just different uh, processes and stuff in place to be successful. And so that was like my first investor um, in, in that company, and scaled. And that company has gone on to, uh, I mean, we've we've exited. We've used that company to help leverage other other companies as well. But one of the big pivots for me, and so like that was what happens is we can, like I said earlier, is we can get stuck in our the place of power, which is like I said, I liked these guys that needed my advice, right? And I've worked with pro athletes, celebrities, like you name it, everybody who's people you see on TV every day I talk to, right? And so there's a part of me at that time that like, I love the fact that I get to work with those people. But over time, it, it's still my time, right? So it's like whether I'm talking to Joe Schmo or I'm talking to Joe Celebrity, it's still my time. It didn't matter. <laughs> it, it just, you, you almost become numb. There's a, a saying that what's what's new becomes normal and what's normal becomes numb, and then usually what happens is we go to either start a fire in that process and blow it all up, or we continue to, what we should be doing is seeking the actual purpose behind what we're doing. And so I, I want to scale the business. And right around the time uh, when COVID hit, we when everything kind of shut down, well, I've been doing telemedicine for you know eight years, nine years. And so that led to a lot of people that I knew in the space, but this time I had a good reputation in the health and hormone space. And, and uh, I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying, hey, Adam, how do I see my, my practice is closed? How does it seem like, I don't know how to do this. And so I helped a couple friends transition their practice to telemedicine so they could continue to see their, their patients. They had no clue how to do this stuff. Just a little bit of technology, just doing things a little bit differently than they always did it, right? And um, that led to consulting games. And then i'm like i really like the process like taking care of like the day-to-day customer i didn't love that anymore which is fortunate i backed you know, i started scaling the business so i had other people in the place wellness coordinators other people that are you know uh director of operations in the back side people doing running the business side of it right so i was still a little bit of the face and entrepreneurs can do that they kind of paint themselves into a corner because they no one's smart as they are no one can do it as well as they are so they get stuck the job, right? They're, they work for themselves, but they have a job, right? And so then when you have a job, you can't scale. So fortunately, I, I had got things in line at that time to where I was probably working 10 hours a week in the business. I, I launched, uh, 2019, we launched brick-and-mortar regenerative medicine. So we do, like, stem cells and PRP and certain things like that. And, uh, again, built that built that out to where, you know, that the, just the – He runs it. It's run by a medical medical team, uh, customer service person. But I I put all the processes in place from how we market, how we answer the phone, how we get people scheduled, like the whole system piece so that, you know, that that company still exists. I probably spend a half hour a month on it. Right. And so what that did is allowed me to show doctors that I could help them change the way they run their practice to get more of their time back and also scale to more money. Right. So, all of this came together during COVID when there was a need for someone to come in and help them, and then the consulting side of my business took off. And then I realized I liked scaling, starting, you know, basically coming into other people's businesses and helping them grow that. And whether I was paid on revenue or whether I was paid just a consulting fee, or in some cases, uh, people giving me equity to come help them launch a business or scale a business as well, and that became. The most interesting thing. And that's that's probably where I spend most of my time today is on the consulting side of a couple of consulting companies that I do that in healthcare and outside healthcare.
0: Yeah, that's a uh epic story, man. I appreciate you sharing all that. <laughs> um just a couple of highlights that I that I want to recap, um, just for the listeners and just myself as well, is like I loved <laughs> throwing it back a little bit to the earlier part of the story, but I loved how like you were in the mortgage space and then you kind of saw this need but it just kind of came to you out of just knowing that market of like health and fitness and people kind of came to you as like hey you really know what you're doing and i feel like that adds a lot of spark to business ideas when people just naturally come to you of hey you're good at sales can you help me this hey you're good at construction. Can you help me with this? So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then just like how you took advantage of the market, which was super unique. Like you started out helping your um, coworkers in the mortgage space. Then you did the bodybuilding. And then you're like, wait, there's a need here because these individuals are unfortunately destroying their body. Let me shift it and, and be able to help them. Um, and then, you know, the coolest part of this story as well is I love that you touched on that is, is like a lot of entrepreneurs just then have a job because they don't know how to scale. They don't have the systems in place. And then they're just working more than they ever had. And they're like, ah, I hate this. Like my business is running me versus the other way around. So I say that because like, what are some kind of steps or processes that that you suggest just to create these systems? Cause they're super important, but like a lot of people listening are like, well, I would love to get to the point in my business where maybe I'm only doing 10 hours a week and then I can put another five hours here and 10 hours with the family. But now I'm spending 90 on the business. Like, what do you suggest there? You know?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. And so first, like as entrepreneurs, we have to get in line with our ego and kill it, right? Because there's a, there's a good part of confidence that's going to push you to go take risk and do things but there's a little bit of ego that gets it started, right? Like, oh, no, I can do this. You know, I, was a, I was definitely a chip on my shoulder guy. Tell me I can't do something and I'll run through the wall to prove it. Uh, but there's a point where that becomes unhealthy. But recognizing that in yourself of, you know, if you know, like I share those stories about my father-in-law telling me I couldn't do something or me telling me I couldn't do something or family telling me I couldn't do something. like That drove me to go do those things. But there comes a point where you have to like say, I don't care what you think. I now believe in myself. If I believe in myself, I got to think differently, right? And so there's a, I want to say Stephen Covey is saying, begin with the end in mind, or it's one of those guys, smart guy. But beginning with the end in mind is, you know, building something. So today with all the entrepreneurs I help, we start, we build a plan for them to be out, right? So there's, I look at every situation of how can I come in, solve the problem? Like when you think of even like in the military standpoint, like, You may have like generals that are like making decisions, but you got some like gangster navy SEAL, you know, like special ops guys. They're going in and starting the thing. And then they're out, they're they're back on the next mission while organization is coming in and structures coming in and things are going into that that territory that you just kind of waged war on. And same mindset so I look at things like. I helped roll out a mobile wound care platform in Florida recently, right? And so my goal is I'm going to come in, I'm going to help solve the problem, help create systems and processes, but the people that need to do it, like I'm not a doctor, I'm not, you know, I don't don't do these things, but I help create a way for them to help more people effectively, help them, you know, the the flow of that stuff. So it's smooth and they're not trying to run the business. So that's where I've had a great amount of success is coming into the healthcare space helping conquer the business side of it, putting systems and processes in place, training individuals like this is your job and this is your job and this is you know, creating SOPs and then backing out of it, right? And so a lot of times an entrepreneur goes in and it starts with like whatever, they're good at doing this one thing and then they, they're they good at doing the one thing and they get more jobs of doing that one thing they start making more money, but they don't stop to find someone to train until they don't have time, right? So there's a time, even with their telemedicine stuff, where I was like, I don't have time to teach people how to do this. I'm too busy, right? Well, then you 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 went too far down the line, right? So you, so being able to bring bring people in early to train, creating SOPs, yeah, I have a, a process to all my entrepreneurs. If you can't show me, it doesn't exist, right? If it's in your head, it's dead because if something happens to you, it's toast. So like, what is all? What are those processes? What happens when when the phone rings? How do you answer it? Where are the questions you ask? What's step number one? Step number two? Step like the entire client process, all the way through a two-year retention, depending on the the, the model of the business, uh, because retention is another thing too. If you're always finding new clients, it's expensive, and that's one thing with our telemedicine company. We never marketed. Not one Facebook ad. Not one Instagram ad. All referral. All I mean retention. We did a a thing recently for my because I'm scaling out my coaching platform now, and I had a Client, give me a testimonial for 13 years. He's like, I've been with Adam for 13 years, a healthcare executive, like, you know, changed my life, changed everything about my life. And I was like, you've been with me 13 years. And it blew me away. But when you think of that from a, you know, let's say I paid a $300 cost of acquisition for someone like that, that guy may have spent $100,000 with me, right? So that return on investment is massive. And so if we're not thinking in, in healthcare, terrible service right? They're not, it, because it's the models, like, you come in, you have insurance, you have medical, like, they just, it's kind of like a numbers thing, right? So people don't feel it. And so coming from this concierge, cast uh, model, healthcare piece, it's, it's just a culture thing. We don't. I don't care if you're a celebrity, we t- treat everybody like you're important, right? As opposed to, you, know, you look at a lot of uh, healthcare practices, people aren't treated well, right? And so that's where I pivoted into kind of the mainstream medicine, because there's a lot of opportunity. To disrupt mainstream medicine, just be just, just out of changing the culture, putting people first, caring about them, communicating them properly, and then creating systems and processes within a practice or in a healthcare system that allows better flow, better communication, which then leads to better revenue, right? And so like everybody wins better patient care, better revenue for a practice, and more time for the doctors, not trying to solve all these business daft problems. Right. And so I've created processes to do that uh, pretty successfully.
0: Dude, to your point there, I uh, was reading something the other day and who knows what you read. Right. But like this doctor was kind of like whistleblowing some hospital he worked for and was like, yeah, we used to get bonuses based on like the amount of patients we saw like per quarter. And so we were just like aggressively pushed to like see more and more and more every day and not have any more like tailored services of like, how can we truly help? So I I think you're, again, may or may not be true, read it online, but I think you're a big differentiator there. Oh,
1: absolutely. Oh, well, they look at like a numbers thing and says, okay, you got to see this many people. Okay, so it's now you got like a doctor spending six minutes with somebody. Dude, they're not listening. You can't learn anything. You can learn more from standing in line at the bank talking to somebody than you could learn in six minutes, especially if you're going into it with like, what's wrong? Oh, it still hurts. All right. Uh, it's probably a script Here's a script. But really, yeah. there could be some other issue, right? Some under, other underlying issue that 10 months down the road leads to a hospital visit that costs your insurance tens of thousands of dollars because it got overlooked, right? And so when you come from a culture of care, which is which is what we've always created, is like we ask a lot of questions, right? So for you to spend time, for example, with a trained medical assistant who's gonna ask a lot of upfront questions that technology now with AI and algorithms can create potential things real quick. Well, now that six minutes with the doctor, if it was in fact six minutes, is more efficient because we've used tools and information and questions in a process to extract information and put it in a readable source. So like when our providers would go through with our process instead of like blood work, it's all over the place, it's super organized. So there's like literally we have an AI tool that can go whoop, whoop, scans it over here, takes this information, Puts it relevant, you know, based on what's there. And so it's like they can, it's like a flashcard. It's that fast because everything's the same, right? And so it's repetitive. You put that up with a deep questionnaire of like what's going on, right? Like when you think of, you can't get all that out in six minutes. And these things that you fill out with a pen and paper on a clipboard, like no one's reading them. So if someone goes through that with you and asks you questions about it, they may uncover something else. It's an underlying issue that based on their, healthcare background know to pop that up to the top that you're not thinking of. Like, oh, well, you know, my toes are kind of tingly now that you mentioned it. Well, it's like, okay, we have that. Oh, and your blood sugar's high. So there, there might be some other things that we don't get now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now, we're gonna be in a significantly worse situation. And so having a, a you know, I've read hundreds of books, right, About healthcare, studied healthcare like almost my entire life, like health, like longevity, like health, not sickness. Uh, so i'm not good at sickness but i'm good at understanding some of the, certain things and so being able to partner with doctors and to build systems that help make this more efficient is has kind of been a place that you know I, I, I proved that on the telemedicine side we have some of the best data in, in testosterone and hormone replacement therapy that exists because i started that up front i like data it's not guessing you know we don't go like gut feelings right when it comes to people's health it's data driven and, it, and it should be and so you know building some of those things and then you look at all these different areas so like one of the areas we have like i mentioned we have a mobile wound care practice we started uh consulting for and now we're looking at how would we scale that to like now we're working with a private equity group that's got a big platform because people that a lot of people with wounds have and this is just like doing the research it's taking the time to learn stuff right like wounds is not as sexy as superstar athletes and like you know turn to people and rip shredded studs but what transitioned is I was like, there's a, a lot of people that need help, right? And they're quiet. They're in the back. They don't have money. Sometimes they can't stand up. You don't see them raising their hand, right? And so we found, like in the wound care spaces, there's people that are sitting at home with a non-healing wound. They don't have money, so they don't. They don't even drive. They can't drive. It's on their foot, so they can't drive. They don't have a car. They don't have money to pay like an Uber or a taxi. And so they don't do anything about it now what happens is eventually after months and months and months of that not healing because their body's sick right there's sickness in their body that they're not going to get blood work to get checked on because they're not going to go to the doctor because they can't drive oxenophil. like the, it's it's insane right when you when you start going down the path and people like have this oh i didn't think of them yeah i did i care about them right <laughs> and realizing that there's a decent amount of money in there for the providers to take care of those people but they're like yeah but i i can't reach them well Yes, we can. We can run ads. We can get people to raise their hand, opt in. We can create a team that asks them certain questions. We can have providers go out to their house and treat them. Remember COVID? Remember how we didn't have to have everybody come in the same way we've been doing medicine for 300 years? And so now you're going to treat people at home. It's the same thing. It's a doable service, right? So this is just an example of like one model we rolled out. And so now it's like you're, you're helping people, uh, uh, underserved community, you're helping providers do something that they're like, "Oh, I hate going to my office every day for eight hours. I'd rather go visit different people." If they're hot. like, "It's just there's more joy out of doing it." We got iPads to do billing and all that kind of stuff, and so like I just come in and help bridge gaps with in the healthcare space, and so I've done it for publicly traded companies, just depending on what they, what what they're looking to do and what they're trying to solve, just based on the repetitions of what I've been able to do elsewhere, right? And so. I think all of that to say is, you know, my kind of life motto is obsessed with finding a better way. So like when it comes, I could have stopped at hormones, but then I realized I'm working with the this, you know, this top tier group, right? I'm working with the affluent clientele, which is great and it's fun. But there reaches a point in your life where you're like, What about everybody else? Who's helping them? And I know that they're people they're not taking care of them, right? And so also growing up. Pretty poor, you know. Single mom, lived with my grandparents who were on you know, like government assistance. Like, maybe if they would have had better healthcare, they would have stuck around longer. They would have been healthier, you know. Like there's stuff like that. So it's like you reach a certain point where you kind of look back at how far you've come, and you're like, who can I go help back there? Which is a majority of people, right? And so like that's where my heart is. Is like how can I help more people? And then as an entrepreneur, why I started my nonprofit too is. There's a lot of hungry, driven, look at guys that build these like big drug deal, like groups, right? Like, those aren't stupid people. They just don't believe they can go do that in a positive way, right? And so I feel like if a guy like me can come in and say, hey, dude, I believe in you, that that life is over. Let's go build something better. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to show up and, and show them like, you can go make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month or a year. Doing something good, serving people, providing value, providing a service, because like grit and hunger for success is, you know, it, it usually starts with people that didn't have it and that had to fight for it, you know. And so um, that's why I started the nonprofit, too, is to try to give back to that community as well.
0: Dude, that's a really good point. Like I've had a couple of people on the show that that used to be, you know, drug dealers got caught, put in prison and then, you know, built like very scalable of course, like legal businesses ranging from like credit unions to supplements. And I'm like, how did you do it with that background? They're like, dude, it's it's basically the same thing, except we're actually using this model for an actual business that that helps people. So I love that you're doing all that. That's super cool.
1: Yeah. And what it takes, what I realized is the things that the pivots in my life were people I looked up to that believed in me and gave me a chance, right? Mm-hmm. When I was a bartender, those guys that worked at the mortgage company were like, yeah, bro, come work with us. We'll trade you. Cool, changed my life. Right. A guy that who's this, you know, Uber multimillionaire entrepreneur, speaker, author is like, dude, you can start a business doing this. I'm like, no, I can't. Yes, you could. You're smart enough. You know how to, you're already doing it. You just didn't know you're doing it yet. And I was like, okay, if you think I I mean you're smarter than me. If you think I can do it, I'll do it. Right. And then, you know, that one business partner who's like, oh, you gotta steal this thing. You got you got you're the best in the country doing this. He's like, I was working with the best doctor and my blood work's jacked up. I feel like crap like your, your team is better. We just, were small. We weren't known right at that time. And so then we scaled to a little different level in 2017, which is, which is exciting.
0: Yeah. Which has led to
1: a lot of cool opportunities.
0: Dude. Yeah. I want to, um, before we wrap up, like, I think this would be a cool point to finish on. Like, I'd love to hear kind of, you know, giving your life to Christ, right? This isn't a faith-based podcast, but I always love to hear stories like that. I'm a man of faith myself. Right. So I always like to hear how, different individuals found Christ. And, and again, you've kind of utilized like finding God and investing more into your faith, I think, to even do better and better in business now and serve more people. So I think the whole round story is super cool. Yeah, 10X, I'll tell that the
1: same story faster from the perspective of of oh, personal nice. self-improvement. So I started drinking alcohol at 14. And, and I remember as a kid, like I lived, like my grandparents were like Christian, but like didn't live what I thought that Christian life. So, like, when I was at a young age, I was like seven years old. I remember, like, when my dad left, losing our house, moving in with my grandparents. And I thought everybody else around me had this like hunky dory life, and I thought, oh, God skipped over me, like legit. I mean, and it, I, and I just was like, oh, I guess, cool, go cool, live my life the way I want. I don't have to worry about this God thing, right? And I didn't have good Christian role models, so I just forgot it. I right? started drinking at fourteen, partying, chasing women. And I got to you know like the things I was good at in my early twenties were picking up girls, getting in fights, and flexing my muscles. Right, three things that aren't really important to having a successful marriage and being a business, entrepreneur, business owner. And so I'm 43 now. And so at 33, I remember I had this wake up moment. And it started at I read a book my wife gave me called The Power of Consistent Power of Consistency, I believe, by Weldon Long. And it like woke me up. I was like, "Holy smokes!" And I just kind of looked at who I was, and I started asking myself, going back to like I said in the beginning of the podcast about these stories I was telling, who I was, what's important to me, and it, because you know I wanted to look tough and be fit, and I had total insecurities around all the things I could do, and and what happens is when we're weak in a certain area and strong in a certain area. A lot of times we believe if we lean into that, right? So I'm going to lean into like my muscles, my looks, my charm with ladies. Well, that's going to probably get me divorced. That's not like no one cares about, you know, if you want to be you want a business, business builder or a bodybuilder, right? Like, what were you? So it's like I had to transition my mind. And so I had to like really burn who I was to the ground, good and bad. Like, we're burning this thing down to nothing and rebuilding with the things we liked. And so I started that process uh, around 33 years old, right? The burning down process, because you fight that, right? You're going to you fight uh, kind of dying to yourself. This wasn't a Christian thing at all at this point. It was, but like I didn't know it then. I, I did. not I don't give any credit to the universe, maybe, whatever, at that time. Uh, but just burning this down and fighting along the way, you start seeing the things that you want to hold on to, this identity piece that it's like, dude, it doesn't serve you. That is who you were. It must die, right? And so I went through this process. And eventually going through this process in 2016, September 2016, so it was seven years ago, I came to the realization, like, I had to quit drinking alcohol. And so it was the day after Labor Day weekend, I was like, I'm done. And I knew it, but I was like, didn't want to tell anyone because in case I failed. So I went 30 days, I went 60 days, and I got to 90 days, and I saw the world differently. My mind was, like, so sharp. I was solving problems. My confidence, my energy, I looked healthier. Every There was zero negative other than potential stories or frameworks or lies about, like, well, in. what about social? And it, and it helped me grow to the point where I was like, I don't care what other people think. And guess what? When you don't care what other people think, you can go really fast when you stop worrying about, well, what do they think? What about all this stuff? Because it can be so toxic to be caught in that. I care today that God is pleased with me. My wife thinks I'm a good husband. My kids think I'm a good dad. Everybody else don't care. Sorry, I don't. I hope you like me, but if you don't, that's all. That's also great too. I'm not like everybody else, right? And so I'll get to that in a second. And so I quit drinking alcohol, and I, like, which really woke me up to who I could become, the confidence in myself. Something that you know, my dad was an alcoholic, literally drank himself to death. Both grandfathers had to quit drinking, so it was like I realized like I was breaking a generational problem, and with my son who I want to be more successful than anybody in my life, I, I'm like, I want him to be the first guy outside of this alcohol's plagued men, men after men after men after men in my family. Um, and so that's why I quit. Like I said, I started drinking at 14. I mean, we were, like, I could, I could, like, I remember I was thinking like this, It's crazy today, in 11th grade, getting busted by the cops for drinking, taken home, and I was mouthing off to the cops. He came in my house, yanked me out of my house, made me take a breathalyzer, and I'd be 0.298. He's like, I can't even this kid's walking around, right? Like I had a drinking problem in, in junior high because we just drink and party. And then nightclubs think that helped. No, that's what we did, right? We would <laughs> roll in and drink. So it's like alcohol is always an underlying thing. It was like when I did bodybuilding stuff, I could shut it off for nine months and go focused on the game, but like if there wasn't a purpose, I, it was like to have a few drinks every night, it was no big deal. When you learn about alcohol and what it does to the brain, you realize like how suppressive it is and how much it holds you back. It, it's it's like one of the worst things in the world. So anyway, quit drinking alcohol, which allowed me to have this great awakening. And so then in uh, 2018, January 2018, uh, I had an experience, I had a, uh find a book. A lady gave me this book, Jesus calling. And I was read. I was like, eh, well, I'll check it out. Whatever. I'll be, you know, And I opened it up that day and I felt God speak to me and said, hey, I've always been. It was it was something like I've always been here and I read it and I heard a voice, right? Like not out loud, but like I heard a voice inside that that said that said I've always been here. Even when you denied me, I've protected you all along the way. It took me all the way back through my life. Like in this, like just this, this moment, right? Where I saw everything where God's like, you should be dead, in jail, divorced, like I've protected you. And I was like, so it's, I don't know anything about Jesus. Never read the Bible. I was like, you know, and and so I didn't know what to do. And that next morning, my most Christian friend from back in Michigan, uh, my buddy Jason, calls me at like 8 a.m. a Saturday. This is a Friday. And he's like, man, how you doing? Just thinking about you, Michelle. I'm seeing how you're doing, checking in. And he never, we'd always call each other as a doctor. So we'd like call each other for, hey, what are you doing? You know, just. And, you know, just something, a purpose, right? Never to, like, call and catch up and right. girl talk it, right? So I was like, what does he want? It's 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday.
0: Yeah.
1: And then we got towards the rest of, of hanging up, and I just kind of felt like, I didn't tell him about the experience, but I was like, I think I want to have a closer relationship with God. And and he starts screaming. I, I mind you, he was the only friend of mine that I knew that, like, if we went to lunch, he'd pray, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, oh. no. Yeah, like I, I, I wasn't going to go, hoo, 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 but you know, I was not, not a jerk, but I just was like, whatever, dude. And, yeah. and so, but it's, and so when you see that, like, I have this experience this one day, the next morning, my most Christian friend calls me. I tell him that I'm thinking I want to have a closer relationship with God. And he's just starts yelling and screaming and his wife's yelling, and screaming. And, and he's like, listen, dude, he's like, this is going to sound weird, but God woke me up this morning with you heavy on my heart to call. And I didn't know, if something happened to your wife or something, we've been praying the whole thing. <laughs> and it, you know it's like almost brings me to tears today. at the time, I'm like, this is nuts. Today, as a believer, uh, I get it. But he's like, We've been praying about you. Just I'm looking at Facebook to see if something happens to you. He's like, you were so heavy in my heart. And he's like, When God gave me a word for you, he said to don't worry about the rules, worry about the relationship. And he's like, get to know who Jesus was. And I was like, Okay. He's like, I've known you your whole life. You're not a rules guy someone tells you what to do you go the opposite direction which is true um, i've known him my whole life and so i got the bible and just started reading about jesus and uh just absolutely transformed my life and uh 2019 june 2019 i got baptized and like gave my life to christ and that became like the foundation through just you know surrendering and that's that's where everything took off like my life when I look at from the time, yeah, you know, like I had some success, but like I didn't have fulfillment, right? Like I had like whatever. I'm driving a decent car, had you know, making a few hundred grand a year, but I didn't have fulfillment, and that started that whole process to where like I don't even pay attention to the money anymore, which is which is a blessing, but and still, hey, look, success and money—that's a way to measure things. But what I'm doing, the lives I'm changing, the people I'm helping, the movement I'm doing, like that's the mission and that's all from god like that's just having that relationship with god not religion uh, i go to church i just went to church this morning with dad's bible study right uh, but god has put a, a fire in my heart to raise up other faith-based men to be on fire and bold uh men of god to go do good do the right thing right lead other people to want to do that too and uh so like that's where i'm at today i i honestly i feel like I just show up and everything else just works out because my heart is in the right place. And my purpose, uh, I'm aligned with my purpose, right? So you have that fulfillment. So that's where I'm at today. So I th- thank you for asking about it because it's, um, it's the most important part of the story, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would have ever had the chance to have my heart and mind opened up to it. If I was still so drinking alcohol regularly, and I definitely would not be here today had i not, embrace this relationship with God that, you know, I was able to, to, to just surrender to. I went all in, just like all in on bodybuilding, all in on business, went all in on God. And kind of joking, joking, but serious is I spent, you know, I spent my 20s chasing women. I spent my 30s chasing money and I spent my 40s chasing purpose. And so I, you know, what I'm going to do in my 50s will probably just be more purpose. I, I or, you know, uh, and that's where today where I've transitioned in my life is now I've, I spend more time coaching, mentoring, lifting other people up because, um, you know, I have the mindset of uh, I'm a kingmaker, right? So I want to help other people be kings. I went from, you know, I think of the story of David in the Bible. You open the, you open Pandora's box, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But when you look at the story of the Bible about David, it's so powerful of like, I was a shepherd's boy. And then I became a warrior, right? Like, that's, that's, like to get where I've had to get, it's a fight you fight yourself. Like I said, I had to burn myself to the ground and rebuild it, right? You have to fight in business. You got to fight, you, wanna, you know, healthcare? Okay. It's, it's a battle, right? And it's easy to quit. And then you become a king, and then David became a kingmaker, right? So I love that story. And for Samuel reading about King David, we all know about David and Goliath, but you read the story and the struggles, and, and uh, it's awesome. It's an inspiring story. And so that story moves me to, because at the end of the day, it's not about the wealth I accumulated or, you know, the cars I bought, uh, or any of those things, as much as how many lives I changed—not just that I helped, but how many people that I turn into other world changers, other life changers, other kings. Right? They're helping to make other team makers, and that's that's when that fulfillment really kicks into where it's like I've very like I told you, my day starts at five a.m. every day, and I run hundred miles an hour till ten o'clock every day. Um, But I have like a supernatural energy. Sure, are my hormones optimized? You bet. You know, like I'm in pretty good health. But there's a supernatural energy that runs through you when you're chasing down your purpose, and you're not chasing money, and you're not chasing fame, and you're not chasing you know the the opinion of other people. You're just chasing the opinion of God, and it's it's amazing. And that's uh, that's what I highly recommend and try to lead most men to.
0: Dude, I appreciate you sharing all that. Super cool story. Like I said, always super interested in how people came to know Christ. And I uh I like what you mentioned there about uh, you know, don't worry about the rules, worry about the relationship. Right. And then uh, you know, the verse escapes me, but something around the lines of draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Right. It's like that's what I tell a lot of people. It's like God wants to have a relationship with you. And it's really up to the person to to open up your heart, open up those doors and and dive deeper into it. Um, and that's cool to see like how your life has Progressed over the last like five, six years, right? Like, I looked at actually stalked your Instagram all the way back to like it said 450 weeks ago. And I was mm-hmm. like, I hope I don't accidentally like one of these photos. <laughs> but uh anyway, and then like scrolling up, but you can
1: see a transformation there, right? Yeah, like, I was gonna say, see, like,
0: I can see a big transformation. I don't take
1: old pictures now, I keep all my no. old stuff up because I want Dude. people to go back and be like, yeah, that's me partying, that's me drinking, that's me focused on like, I'm not hiding who I was. I want people to be able to look and see a transformation.
0: Yeah. And that's what I saw. I was going to touch on that. Like I saw your purpose get bigger. I saw like all the things that matter most, like faith, family, all that like seemed like it just looked better based on like how the Instagram was. Right. And it's just like, mm-hmm. well, wait, what changed like five, six years ago. And then you just said like, Hey, like that's when I started diving into to the deeper relationship with Jesus. And, and I stepped into the purpose.
1: And that's the power in it. It's like when it becomes undeniable. So like people know me my whole life. Right. And they're like, dude, what happened? Jesus, right? Like, didn't win the lottery. Didn't like get abducted by aliens. Didn't like find you know like plant medicine. Like, <laughs> no, Jesus, dude. And I believe it, and I pour into it. Not religion, right? Not a bunch yeah, of rules. But, I still, I still live a holy life. I still follow the command. I don't do those things because I realize those things, you know, alcohol, drugs, porn, all those things are a distraction, a sedation method that will take you away from your purpose, right? And so. If I'm going to live a good, healthy, holy life, like, do I swear sometimes? Yep. Do I yell at my kids sometimes? Yep. Am I, do yeah. I, might beat my horn and call someone an idiot? Yep. I'm not perfect. But I also don't focus on the things that I know are a trap to, you know, leading to this sedated lifestyle that a lot of us uh, fall victim to. Um, and I learned that from reading the Bible and following the bible and reading you know the book of proverbs is full of incredible information to dodge tons of problems in life right and so um it's a, it's a great book to teach people and if people want to open their hearts and the problem the biggest problem with religion is religious people have wrecked it right they're like oh you're one of those people and i was like "Because well, once someone would asked me oh you're a christian and i was like well what's a christian to you because i may not be that frame that you've that already created it, right yeah. yeah and so Let's talk about that. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, you're different. Yeah, because I'm not a religious person. I don't know when people are like, oh, what what denomination? I'm like, dude, I don't know what that is. Right. It's like that's the blessing, the blessing of ignorance going into this, learning about who Jesus was, why he came, what his purpose here, and then who we are in God because of him and that relationship. That's all that matters, right? Like whether you're Lutheran, Baptist, Catholic. I was like, nah, I don't. I don't see any of that in that book. <laughs> you know, like I don't think it matters. I think we've created that, right? And so when you can remove that, it's a different way to look at a relationship with God. And then it's like it's just super powerful. Thing. Yeah, that. Yeah, so you
0: don't you see. About it. You don't see the you know laundry list of like seventy five different religions that are out there now, in the Bible, right? It's like relationship and love with is what you see right and and all that yeah. So i'm glad you mentioned that 100%. aspect and that's a good question to ask dude of like well what's your definition of a quote christian and then just kind of going from there but man that that was cool man i, I just wanted to end on that um i appreciate you sharing all your thoughts um you dropped a, a lot of heat a lot of value um i'm super pumped up right now and i know people are like dude where do i connect with this adam guy um so i would love if you could just kind of plug some uh, connection points there before we jump off.
1: Yeah, probably the best way to reach me is on my Instagram at Lamb 33 um, That just, yeah, hit me up there, follow me there. I, I usually, that's probably my main place of dropping information. I'm expanding my coaching platform. So if that's people that are interested in working for me right now, I typically just have some one-on-one kind of high-end clients, but God's put in my heart to open that up to help build some people up. Um, so we're rolling that out in November. So that'll be some stuff. I mean, all all the stuff's really on my Instagram is where I think I... Is, I it,
0: is the those. website there as well for the coaching?
1: I don't think it's up yet on November. there because it's not completed. But, yeah. Yeah. but if yeah. they just... I just have messaged me.
0: Yeah, well, we're recording September and this will actually be live yeah, so the, in November. So we're in the great.
1: future so the, now. So Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's the one com. And the premise behind is living in the top 1% in all areas of life, faith, family, fitness, finances. Um, And that's what I help guide primarily men through uh, that process.
0: Cool, man. Well, hey, like I said, appreciate you being on the show. Um, This is all my notes I took out of like a (laughs) 45-minute conversation. So uh, I'm sure everybody else listening did some similar things there. Um, But again, dude, hope you have a good rest of your week, good rest of your year. And uh, thanks again for all the value that you added today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Adam on social media. And most importantly, be sure to strive to continue to reach a next level in your business, personal or career life. Other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.